Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So we're, we're continuing this uh, structured study of the Theragatha and the Theragatha, which are uh, the preserved poems of the uh, monks and nuns of the original Sangha. And they're, they're beautiful. Um, they're also not very useful for people that are new to this Dhamma. In other words, I would very rarely uh, teach a structured study like this to a group of people that, that were mostly newcomers simply because there's no context for it. But for those of us that have the foundational understanding of dependent origination and Four Noble Truths, uh, these are remarkable for how much wisdom and instruction they contain, or direction is maybe the better word. Um, when I first came across this book in the Pali Canon, um, unrestored, obviously, uh, it it didn't have a lot of meaning for me, although I wanted it to have meaning. And the reason why I wanted it to have meaning is because the words were so powerful and they pointed towards something that I hoped would be the result of Dhamma practice. There was never a way to get there. And so in one way, you could say that these poems are, are beautiful, and they are, and they're, they're an outstanding recollection of of a historical time period, but they are um, perniciously hurtful to a mind that simply doesn't understand it because they can just instill a lot of grasping after and a substitute, substituting ideology where I might get to or where I should get to or who I should be rather than the reality of the present quality of my mind, which is the radical difference between what the Buddha taught and everybody during his time which is this? Which is what I found too. And I again, I, I I talked to Tom a little bit, and Alex asked this great question. I can't remember if it was in a class or just in our conversation, but it was um, if you came, meaning me. Alex asked me, I think. Excuse me, if it was you, Tom. If you found something that was more effective, I don't remember the exact words, than what you're teaching, what would you do? And I said, I would. The next class, I would start teaching that. Of course, I would. Um, and I would also spend a lot of time explaining why, because I think that would be important. But, and I'm still looking, Alex, by the way, I haven't found that yet. Um, and I'm very, I'm also very um, comfortable with my knowledge that I found something that is incredibly useful for me in this human life. And again, if you tell me of something or I come across something that changes that perspective or can somehow add to it, you'll hear it from me first. <laughs> um, but it is, it's an important consideration to keep. So we don't awaken to the notion that there's nothing left to learn, but we stop grasping after all the other leaves in the trees because we're now, our mind is united in this body. And I, now I have the perspective to look at all the leaves of, of the trees without grasping after them. So, and this is a perfect um, little poem to describe that. So here, Sabuti is just describing the quality of an awakened mind in just a few lines, but it describes in really exquisite detail what we're, what we're after. 
And she relates this immediately to how the Buddha would describe how to establish jhana meditation. Go find the root of a tree or an empty hut. And so Sabuti begins, my hut is roofed. It's comfortable and free of drafts. She's telling us that she's established the right method. My mind, well concentrated, released from clinging to wrong views. She's, she's uh, he, I, I believe. It's hard to figure out who, what, what the sex of Sabuti is, but I think male. Again, doesn't really matter. Released from clinging to wrong views. That's the whole point, isn't it? To let go of all views that would, that would instigate eye-making in this moment and simply allow me to be a reference point to what's occurring. Concentrated, released. I remain mindful, ardent, and aware. Mindful, ardent, and aware. That's the present quality of my mind, moment by moment. moment, by moment. Again, I, 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 I caught myself a little bit, and it may, it may seem insignificant from saying moment from moment, because that infers that I'm building one moment on the past moment, and I'm really not, because this moment is fresh. So it's life as life occurs, right here, right now. I remain mindful, ardent, and aware. Mara, meaning ignorance, has no lodging here. And I love this concluding line, so let it rain. Let it rain. The world can be as it is. I am comfortable. I'm well concentrated. Another line that I might interject if I was writing this poem, but it's perfect as it is, is I'm safe. Why am I safe? Because I know that I can no longer go out in the world and cause harm to anyone, including myself, and I know I am. I can remain harmless from all the, the fabricated ideologies out in the world because I'm well concentrated and released. So, that's today's class. Alex, what do you think? Hi, John. Um, yeah, I'm just absorbing it. Can you, I'm sorry, Alex. Can you hold on for one second? I just gotta, I gotta turn the AC off because I can't hear you. Watch, puppy. Uh, sorry, Alex. Um, Could you hear me with the AC going? Uh, yeah, well, not really, no. I, I can tell a bit, a bit of a difference now, but it wasn't a problem. Okay. Um, yeah, first of all, it, I, it was our conversation last week when you said um, uh, something about going to the other side of Pluto, and, and I said to you, well, what if you went to the other side of Pluto and discovered something something different, better, better. Yeah. You. And that was when you said, yeah, I'd come and teach another class and say, hey, look what I've discovered. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about being open, but still not grasping, you know, still knowing that what you've discovered is, is serving you and to live uh, human life. Yeah. You know, and um, I, again, I didn't try you, but I thought more about it because it's such an important question. And if I did that, I would also be very careful to say, and I wasn't lying before, you know, it, 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 was, it is something useful. I, I would say almost miraculous, except there's no more miracles. And I found, found something that, and again, who knows how I would characterize it, but maybe it's, it's, it might be better, meaning you can stop practicing that, and I would suggest practice this. Or I found something that is, can actually be added and enhance this practice. But again, yeah. we should all have that quality of mind. And never lose it. 
You know, yeah. and I, I, I don't think Siddhartha lost it at all. I think he remained incredibly inquisitive. I, I think a human mind is naturally inquisitive, especially when it's awakened. So please continue. Yeah. Um, uh, I really enjoyed poetry, to be honest. And yeah. um, so what, one thing that struck me very early in the poem was um, free of drafts, because I thought the concept would is, I assume Sabuti was, was awakened. Yes. But I thought awakening is that you're not free of drafts, in, is that with, which is, if that's the metaphor for pain or um, bad things coming. Um, I thought, so I would have expected it, I would have thought it may, may have been written with the drafts don't bother me. The drafts come, but they don't bother me. So that was interesting. Yeah, but it relates to, to the whole notion of jhana meditation is for increasing concentration. So I can walk into a library wanting to get a book on the, on the far side of Pluto and not be distracted like I always am by all the other books. I can go right to the far side of Pluto because I have that. And again, it doesn't mean that there's okay. not a lot of great knowledge in these other books, but I'll get to it when I'm ready. You okay, know? so do you think free of drafts is free from dis- distraction? Yes, Yes. Um, yeah, because that, that it, 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 it's what blows around out there that distracts us, isn't it? Or uh-huh. an idea that's, that's an uncontrolled or maybe a, a, a truly unexamined idea that's floating around in my head, conditioned thinking, that causes me to act in a certain yeah. way because of that lack of concentration. Yeah. So again, yeah. it's such, a, it's such a, a, a deep and powerful poem, but you reflect... A, a, a deep level of the Dhamma in order to be able to nuance it out like you are. Again, I'm sorry for well, interrupting. The next, line, I, the next line, I guess, explains it. My mind's well concentrated. Yeah. Released. Um, yeah. And then the next point I had was about Mara has no lodging here. So um, what was your description of Mara again? Mara is, at, or, or any... Um, any reference to some non-physical being, a deity, is always a reference to the representation of that as a quality of our minds, or my mind, really, not your mind, my mind. And so Mara is always the metaphor in my mind for ignorance. And again, and we know Mara is, is this, this malevolent being that is always trying to infiltrate itself into our thinking. And again, that's yeah. just what ignorance is, isn't it? It's the perfect metaphor when we understand it. So yes, Mara is always metaphor for ignorance manifesting. Yeah, so I've seen some Buddhist traditions who use, which use imagery. You know, I've seen the image of Mara attacking the Buddha, his, his enlightenment. Yeah. That's quite a famous image, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mara, yeah. Mara um, began, was introduced into the suttas during the story about Buddha's awakening and all these different armies being thrown at him, which, yeah. again, were just the, his own quality of mind. But it, when you understand it, that it, it's a beautiful story because we're able to see Siddhartha working through this and not reacting to it. Yeah, I love, the, I love that image. Yeah. Um, Mara has no lodging here. Yeah. Um, so Mara comes I, and goes, just like the drafts. 
comes and goes. Yeah, it has yeah. no logic. Yeah. There's but nothing insane. left in here for, cl- yeah. for ignorance to cling to. It has no establishment anymore. No lodging here. It can't, Mar- Mara can't stay here. Yeah. yeah. So let it rain. Okay, so at the end, he adds the point that it will rain. The suffering will come. Suffering will come. Yeah. Let That's it rain. That's that. Let it rain. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. I really enjoy these poems. Yeah. Um, I like to to pull them apart and try to improve my understanding of what the Buddha taught, really. Yeah. Um, through, but it is it does verge on I don't know, yeah, poetry and metaphor again, and yeah. I know that a lot of that exists to help to understand Buddhism. And you're, I think I get your point about. If you don't have any understanding of Buddhism before this poem, yeah, you may well, it may well take take you down a complete different path. Um, so it's really important to understand the wording, and and that was what I was going to say when you were teaching. I I do really appreciate how careful you are with words. Like yeah. at one point you stopped. Yeah, I do. I think I forget the word it was, but you you were really careful with it, and it's so important to to understand these words what they mean what they actually mean um yeah it's uh i don't have much to add really i i enjoyed it i don't have believe it or not i don't have many questions uh, you you added a lot alex uh, so, so thank you yeah you just mentioned something that that words are really important i think that as just not as a teacher but just developing the dharma we're learning about right speech and how powerful one word can be or stringing words together Especially in a way to manipulate others is a is a, something we should be mindful of and and abandon. Um, but you know that that's one of the, the great things about the Dhamma for me. Um, you know, I never I never saw myself as a writer, certainly not as a Hemingway like writer. Um, I use writing as a tool, and um, but the Dhamma has helped me a lot in looking at: Am I really saying what I mean to say? And is this the best way to say it? And, you know, if, even if, if I go back into it often, into some of my writings from uh, 10 years ago, and it's, it's not that what I was writing was incorrect, but my presentation was not nearly as clear as it is today. But, you know, I, it, I would hope that's the case, you know, instead of going back saying, yeah, I had it all together 10 years ago, which would mean I haven't learned anything in 10 years. Which to me would then say, well, this is a useless dhamma if that's what it did to me, you know, caused me to actually. Stop. But it, obviously, the, the other was the other side of that was different. It, it, um, it, it invigorated my life at a time when it really needed to be invigorated, because I was at the point where I was almost getting despondent because I wasn't getting it anywhere with all these great teachers and great teachings that I studied. But again, I found what I was looking for here. I'm fortunate, we're fortunate that it's here. And words are so important, you know, and we learn that through the Dhamma. So thank you, Alex. Thank you. Yeah, it's good that you guys are back in Brighton. I've got to talk to Tom about something now. Hello, Tom. Good to see you again. Hi, John. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for the teaching. Um, I like the poems as well. I think I think you did hit the nail on the head. It's... It, 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 you get a lot more out of these poems if you have a deep understanding yeah. of the Dharma already. So uh, I, I like the imagery. I love the final line, like, let it rain. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be the chorus, right? Let yeah. it rain. And I, I, could you imagine having Prince being the lead into a... <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, but anyway, really powerful metaphor again. Um, and and I, I appreciate that clarification on drafts and what they are. And that, that again, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, um, I... I guess I'll just sort of connect to something else that I've been I've been listening to some of the talks of Krishnamurti over the last sort of week or so um, and something I've noticed is he's and this connects to what you were sharing in the poem which I'll come to in a moment but he he has this most brilliant vision of of humanity and how it should be um and you know one of the things that 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 really um resonated with me what is this idea that that why can you not root out all fear for example or all craving right rather than we, we 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 build our lives around this idea of like pruning the bushes right and so cutting off little bits of fear for example but not actually getting to the root, the root cause and treating all of these kind of, this aversion that we have in life, almost treating it all equally because it's all just aversion. It's just different forms of yep. aversion. And rather than, rather than, than um, sort of getting, and I know Alex is a bit like, uh, sorry, Alex, I'm speaking for you, but I, I, at least I'm like this, and I think Alex is maybe similar, um, is that we get very analytical, right? Trying to understand the reasons for our aversion or whatever it might be. Um, and yet, anyway, what I learned from, or what I took from this Krishnamurti speech was was how you just treat them all the same. It's all just aversion in just a different form, and we and we rationalise that aversion in this way or the other. Three defilements, you know, aversion. Yeah, exactly. Self self loathing, and this obviously connects to a lot of the stuff that we've studied now. Where it's different, and where where um, Krishnamurti's teachings are different to what we have the good fortune of studying, is having listened to I don't know maybe five different talks of Krishnamurti and studied quite a lot of his work over the last you know only a short period a week or so. Um, there's there's no real um, sort of instructions or indication on how to get to these yes perfectly enlightened states that he sort of shares with us you know yes he's like imagine a world where you don't feel any fear at all imagine a world with no attachment all of these things and it all sounds all sounds very wonderful but i think that connects to what you were saying about the poem right so yes you if you didn't have a grounding in the in the dharma this poem would be a bit like listening to a krishnamurti talk where it all sounds wonderful, but then it could actually lead to more clinging because yes. you don't know how to get there. And I it's, think that's what I really appreciate about about the teachings that the 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 Buddha, you know, the Buddha's original teachings, what they bring us. Because yes, it has that vision of a world and a life in which you are living in complete peace and clarity and calm. Um, but it also says, okay, these are the things you need to do to get there. Um, and um, and so 
you know, that's why I think these poems are a great complement to, yeah. um, right you know, it's nice to listen to them and to reflect on them, but then you also have to go back to the eightfold path, don't you? And say, okay, now I've got to put the work in. Um, and um, in order to be able to experience these states um, and, and live in a more calm and peaceful way. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's all I've got, John. That's but, a lot. Yeah, Again, the... Uh, yeah, yeah. For this, for the purposes of this class, you could almost see this structured study as kind of a a break from what we've been studying, because I've really brought a lot into these Thursday classes, and you've you've all stayed with me. Um, and I, I don't, and I should say, I don't do that to see how far I can push you. It's just these are what they are, and let's see how we do. And you, you all of you, including Matteo and the others that used to join us, they all did well with it. But. Um, They do, they do eventually resolve in a mind in this simpler way, and these poems suggest that. But again, they can't be seen as instruction because there's no instruction. They are visionary, and you're right to see the connection between uh, what Jiddu Krishnamurti taught and the contrast between what the Buddha teaches. And so I think you're reading Krishnamurti maybe, because, and I'm sure you've come across him otherwise, but I've mentioned Krishnamurti occasionally in these classes and I'm cautious and I always qualify by saying just what you discovered that Krishnamurti had what I think an awakened view but he was lacking because he didn't go through it himself he was lacking the ability to teach others how to do the same in other words his quality of mind was something I think he was born into and there's enough history about Krishnamurti that you can see that however that occurred doesn't really matter but he didn't teach people. And because he didn't have to make that leap from ignorance to wisdom, he didn't feel it necessary. Where we could see ourselves as maybe even more fortunate because we're able, and even um, Tuesday suit related to this too, we're also able to bring it to others, even if it's just by example. Yeah. So, even, go, sorry, please, just Tom. to add there, John, even the Buddha himself, right, went through that. Yes. That's the whole point, isn't it? That he went, he had an ignorant mind just like we did. And he worked through it. Yes. In fact, the whole point of his going forth, leaving his home, was so he could understand it. Not, so, not to become a worldwide leader. And, and, and that was maybe where um, Krishnamurti might have missed what happened to him because he didn't have the overarching view of the Eightfold Path, meaning... He was born and immediately was handed over to uh, Ledbetter and Blavatsky. And he was immediately, in the, in the most impressionable part of our life, in our early teenage years, told that he was a savior. And he rejected most of what the theosophists tried to set in place. But he never lost the idea that he was some type of savior. And... and it, as you heard, his talks are incredibly inspiring. And so it's hard to say he wasn't, but in some ways he was very hurtful because he was so inspiring, but he never taught people how to get there. So, And again, that's a point that could be argued, and it's kind of a useless point to argue because we really don't know, do we? So we see Krishnamurti as he is, a likely awakened human being lacking the ability to teach others how to do so. I think that's the truth. 
He's a good read, isn't he? He's a good yeah, listener. He is. He is. I, I have. I've been able to listen to him and to read about him without it being too much of a distraction. On, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I, I feel like it's one of the. He's one of the very few people I can read or listen to, who, whose views and vision doesn't contradict. Yes. What I'm studying from the Buddhist Dharma, it it it's, it is inspiring. Yep. I just know, and I have a lot of clarity on the fact it's not complete. Like, there's no, and I'm really curious because I never once hear him say he's he's just like, you know, you need to let go of all attachment, <laughs> and it's like, okay, yeah, how do I do that? Well, you know? but he said how to do it. I, I know you must have heard it because over and over again he said, "Look at the life you're living. That's how yeah. we let go of attachment. Look at it." But mm. he didn't teach the vehicle jhana and yeah. the view, the eightfold path. To be able to do that, so he was he was like so close yet so far, right? Look Absolutely. at the life you're living, but he didn't teach us how to do it, and he didn't yeah, give us yeah, the perspective yeah. to yeah. recognize, as you said, aversion in 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 all of its manifestations. Simply see it and let it go. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But brilliant, you know. And again, it it even leads to what I think is a very helpful class in making that point clear. You know, we have to be we have to have wisdom that's useful, and how do we do it? It's wisdom relating to four noble truths. Yeah. Again, you'll never hear those. I don't think I've ever heard those words from Krishnamurti. I you, I didn't. I don't. I wouldn't claim to listen to everything he ever said, but I listened to a lot of it. And uh, again, I think he's a brilliant human being. So, um, so uh, Tom, we can talk about this later. I don't think you'll mind talking about it in front of Alex. So if you put more thought into uh, a class you might want to teach coming up. I know you might be waiting for us on our end to say, Tom. Yeah, so I'm I'm waiting to be summoned. Okay. Um, uh, but I can do something in maybe... I've got some family things. I'm going away on a family holiday tomorrow. Nice. Um, but second half of August, I'm happy to teach a sutta if, if there's one you... So, I mean, let me just quickly check the... The diary. Um, it's just yeah. August is this time is a bit of a complicated time because of all the stuff. Uh, like for example, the twentieth or the twenty seventh of August. You could okay. Why not? Either of those are convenient on the Saturday. Do you have a link to the, to the, our Google car calendar that you can edit? Uh, I don't know if I can edit it. I'm, I'm not sure. Okay, I'll send you a link that I know you can edit because then there is there is a I do see a link. Saturday Dharma class DT John Haspel, but I don't see what I, I don't see what I link there or what I, what I, 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 I would, how would I update that I'm teaching? I don't know. Let I don't me, know how to I probably works. haven't given you permission, so let me let me do that right okay. now. Uh, let's see how to do it. Under here, no. This is a different calendar than I usually use, but let me see if I can figure out how to... Nope, that ain't it. Just give me a second, please. Sure, sure. Where are you, Alex? I'm platform. You're in, you're like a five-minute walk from me. Yeah. Are you, going, are you going back to London tonight? Yeah. Yeah, I've got to get back, really, but otherwise I would come say hello. Um... 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm coming here. It seems to be Tuesdays and Thursdays that I come here. Um, but I've got so much going on with this gas bottle on the van. I'm knackered, but I'm getting there. I think I've had a breakthrough today with it. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, I just need to get back. Really, I'm, I'm very tired from that. You know, yeah. send me a long voice note instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's to come. Sort of come. <laughs> Tom, will you go on and click on the click on the the event link on your calendar? Like, just pick okay. a date. And then see if it does it give you the op- option to edit it. Uh, let me see now. No. I don't know why I can't find the the share button, but I can't find it. No, it doesn't give me that option. Let me just go through this once more and see if I can find it quickly. No, don't know why. I'll find it and I'll. Oh, here I'm. <laughs> Yeah, it's as big as you can see. Oh, I don't know why it's doing this to me. I it is it is shared with you, Tom. See if you can edit it. It's shared with me. I just don't know how to edit it. I'll try on my I'm on my phone at the moment. Okay, alright. Click just click on the it's event. Like on my laptop. But yeah. it doesn't it uh, let me f- yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Um, it might be shared with my... I don't know. Well, all right. We'll, we'll uh, see if you... I'll, if I can figure... I'm, I'm sure I can figure out where to send the link once I can put some attention on it. Um, but anyway, if you can edit it, just put your name into the date you want. Um, instead of John H., it'll say you. Uh, and I'll send you the link, too. So if you don't get it right after we... We get off you have to here. send me the, the suitor as well. Yeah. What, what's that? You'll have to send me the suitor as well. Well, you'll you'll either have to go into the calendar and relate it to where we might be because I haven't set that up yet. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. But you'll you'll at the very least get it a week before the class if that's okay. enough time. So. Okay. Uh, but I can right. extrapolate it too. So. Um, Oh. I'm still I'm still waiting for my suitor to be uploaded. Ah, I, I should get to it this afternoon. I'm waiting. We're all waiting. Yeah, all waiting. yeah the world the is waiting. The public wants to hear it. Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I should get to it this afternoon. So, no, no, working no through it. Can I can I just ask a question before we finish, John? Please. Um, just it might be an obvious one, but I realize I don't know what it is. So, what's the difference between the rest, the unrestored and the restored Pali Canon? Oh, restored is just, it's just what it means. Uh, so I've restored the suttas to what I think, meaning restoring it back to what um, I feel is what the Buddha likely taught and, and the context that he taught it. And so it was, just to explain how I got there, it was after going through the suttas for a couple of years, still kind of confused and trying to figure out what this guy was teaching, that it was a gradual dawning, but it finally dawned on me that, yes, what he was teaching was taught in the context of dependent origination as expressed as Four Noble Truths. And as soon as I had that thought and then started going back into the suttas, I was able to see it in the suttas, except the ones that were the most magical and mystical. It didn't make any sense. And then I went back through them and as carefully as I could, took out the magic from them 
And then it was almost like the Dhamma was like revealed to me. But again, not in a magical way. I would say in a studious, and I use the word scholarly not in a broad sense. I don't consider myself a, a scholar, but scholarly enough <laughs> to see what's going on here. And, and that is what changed everything for me. And it was at that point, r- roughly, that I started teaching the Dhamma as I teach it. So if I picked up the Pali Canon today, that would be the unrestored version, which would be, be your version is restored, or is it the other way around? Yes, it, it is that way. You know, if you pick up, a, if you pick up, and most anything you read is going to have some magic into it, or the resolution is in a magical plane, that's not restored, as far as I'm concerned. And again, I, I'm, always, I'm always very careful to say, all that, all that that means is that this is different. It's up to you to find out if it's also effective in its difference. And again, a lot of our class is, is devoted to that too, isn't it? Do you notice the difference? Because that's how the Buddha taught. So, so the Pali Canon has been written by... Yeah, who, I know it's the Buddha's teachings, but we don't know who actually wrote it, right? There, if you read, and, and, and when you have time, please do so, Alex. On the website, there's an article about the Pali Canon, how okay. it came to be, and how the differences. And um, so as soon as the Buddha passed, and I'll, I'll do this briefly. As yeah. soon as the Buddha passed, even during the Buddha's lifetime, there were those that wanted to adapt the Buddha's Dhamma to fit their own views. And then as soon as the Buddha died, there was talk in the Sangha, well, the old fart's gone, now we can do what we want. And literally, that's what took place. Huh. And so... In response to that, Mahakasapa and some of the other awakened monks and nuns decided, okay, we need a council. And so they, just, they had the first Buddhist council for the sole purpose of establishing the true Dhamma. Because they realized that all this idle chatter is going to, to <coughs> pollute and corrupt the Dhamma unless we do something to preserve it. So, they had this council... And they knew that that um, um, uh, Upali and um, and Ananda, Upali had the 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 the, the discipline down, the poti Maksha down, and and Ananda had, uh, and they knew that he had a word perfect memory, like most of the monks and nuns did, because of their well concentrated mind. And Ananda was there for almost every teaching his cousin gave. He was the Buddha's attendant for the last 25 years of his life. And he could recount, word for word, what the Buddha taught. And so, you'll, in a lot of the suttas, you'll hear them preface by, Thus have I heard. That's Ananda saying, These, This is the words that I heard. And sometimes you'll hear an introduction saying, On one occasion. That's the collective saying, yes, this is what Ananda heard, and we all heard it this way. So he was saying this, recounting the suttas, to a group of monks and nuns that could remember them, that had the ability to do so, and would then say, yes, we agree, this is how it was presented, and that was the beginning of the Pali Canon. But, again, there was no writing, no, that's not true, there was some writing during that time, but it wasn't relied upon or it wasn't given credence as a reliable way for establishing anything. That the verbal way, meaning memorizing it and teaching it, 
was the most accurate way of presenting, preserving the Dhamma. Because that, that verbal presentation in a small group could be checked by others, couldn't it? Where one person going by and writing down all these teachings, as that one person heard it, without a check, which by the way is what has happened, would lead to corruption. Again, it's just what has happened. So, what you're reading in all of the um, books recounting the Pali Canon is one person's, sometimes scholarly, sometimes without any even scholarly intent, recollection of what they hope that written word is, is keeping. Now, it's further polluted by knowing that as the Buddhist Dhamma spread out of northern India, India into southern Nepal first and then east and then south into China, two different migrations, they were then influenced by those cultures. And so much of the, uh, for example, if you read Tanisera's, um translations, he's translating mostly from the German translations because that was what his um, predominant um, second language was, which themselves were translated from the Chinese Agamas or Agamas, which were, again, ha- had their own level of corruption. So do you see how after all these years, what's recounted in, as the Pali Canon is influenced by almost every translator. Yeah, cool. And so I have done the same. And I'm not... I'm not saying I have I I don't have any magical qualities. So again, I come down to you this is your what is as restored, right? You, you class ones that are restored in that you you're, you're taking away the, the magic and reflect the common thread of dependent origination and four noble truths. That's restored. Yeah. Yes, and and again, what what we have here, what we're practicing is something that I think is as pure as we can find, again, through some of the work that I've done, and what has been done by others, not just me. I mean, it's a tremendous amount of work, if you think about what's been done, to bring us to this point, that we still have a useful and skillful representation of what an awakened human being actually taught. And I don't have to go past that, because I've experienced it. You know, it's enough for me. Please, Tom. Sorry, just a quick question on this. Um, Here, Bob. Because... Good boy. Um, I've, I've actually bought... I bought... Um, I think it's the Bhikkhu Bodhi um, book on the Pali Canon and all of the different um, yep. suttas that he's translated there. I know that's not the version that you suggested I read... But that's why I bought it, because I wanted to see a different version to the one that you've restored Mm -hmm. to sort of compare and contrast, um, just for my own sort of, you know, um, investigation, if you like. Um, What I've noticed from the suitors I've read so far, and I haven't gone through, I I, I mean, I've maybe only read 10 in total, but from the 10 that I've read, and I've compared the suttas that you've restored versus the suttas that are in the uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi translation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't noticed anything major which has thrown me off from the Bhikkhu Bodhi translation. 
what I've noticed, if I'm absolutely honest, is your your sort of restoration is easier to understand mm-hmm. and is off in many cases, certain cases a bit shorter and the language is 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 more easily digestible. Yep. Um I but I haven't noticed any massive I mean I'm I'm definitely on the lookout for anything that would be magical yeah. or mystical or whatever. I haven't found anything. Now so so my question is um provided now I understand there could be a danger. If I were to I've only read suitors in this Biku Bodhi book. I've only read the suitors that you have taught mm-hmm. right through your restoration. So I understand there may be other suitors and I'm aware that there are suitors that were written you know, way after the Buddha died and all of this sort of stuff. And I, I definitely want to keep clear of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but provided that, the, at least based on my experience, provided that the sutta was, is, it's from this translation, the Bhikkhu Bodhi one, mm-hmm. and it's the same one that you restored. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing, other than the fact that I genuinely prefer your version because it's easier to understand and it's just, it's more concise. I don't see anything in the Bhikkhu Bodhi translation which massively shocks me. Um, so that's the first thing. Okay, well, but let's stop there. Let's stop with the first thing. I listen to the second thing. Go on. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. The second thing is related, which is if there is a big difference, right, um, would you be able to suggest to me a particular suitor that I can read? Because I'd really like to see them side by side. I'd like to see the one that you've restored, and then I'd like to see the one that Bhikkhu Bodhi or whoever else has written. And then, and then I'll see it for myself. So I'd, I'd love to have an example of one that has a, a really strong difference where you see that oh, I, um, I, referencing to magical mystical thinking yeah i don't i i, I would say what, what what who published the book that you're what's the name of the book uh give me a second no um, rush. i can i can uh, find it right now yeah no rush tom but it's yeah as i said I've, it's a big thick book um and here you go. Uh, it's called. Wait, I'll get in. Oh my god. Uh, get in the light. So it's called. Uh, yeah, I got it. Yeah, no, I, I know the book, Wisdom Publications. So, yeah. um, just in reference to what you're saying, I think um, Bhikkhu Bodhi would be one that I, that I, I mean, I know him slightly. I, I, his, one of his major monasteries is here in New Jersey, so I've, I've been up there and I've talked to him. And, um, his his translations are okay. Um, I think if you keep reading, you'll find some that he gets into the little differences that that are significant difference differences though. That's and that is the problem um, that he's not as clear as he could be. And also, there was a, a um, because of my own confusion in reading a lot of what I found to be unnecessary repetition. I stripped a lot of that out to make it simpler and more accessible without removing what, again, in my judgment, I'm the one that's doing it. I had to, you know, I had to use my own mind. Also holding in mind what the Buddha taught me that without any repetition, there is no Dhamma. So I was careful about that, but also realizing that this had to be useful, you know, or what's the sense? So I mean, I, I would never tell you to don't read Bhikkhu Bodhi or anybody else, but I would also ask you what you're looking for in that reading, as you said, and I can, and as an intellectual pursuit, I understand it completely. That that's a that's a fair enough answer for me, right? I could, it's good enough to go. But then I, if the answer is, 
to find something that that bald-headed guy might have left out, that's okay too. But at some point, and again, this is where this is where I would say um, complete engagement with the Dhamma can begin when I stop looking outside of that. But I can also understand that there can always be a little bit of doubt and why should I listen it's, to that one guy not, in pencil? Yeah, so just to, just to clarify on that, John, I'm not doing it because I feel there's anything missing in your teachings. Okay. It's purely for me as a teacher to be able to actually talk with some knowledge about, like if someone were to say, well, what about the, you know, the Bhikkhu Bodhi or what about this other translation? What's the difference? Here, I'm going to cut you off, Tom. I'm going to cut you off because it's important. We've dealt with that in the Sangha. In fact, I would, before you start your own Sangha, read our purpose statement and our Sangha guidelines. And so when that comes up in a class, we simply, in the class, I simply say, that's something we don't teach here. And I'd be happy to discuss the, the, the contradictions that you found outside of class. And then I do. Because... Dhamma class is no place to discuss comparative Buddhist religion. It just isn't. Yeah, but this, but but no, I get that. But the point is, is that there isn't, there isn't actually. I think that makes it sound a lot worse than it actually is. I mean, by reading this Bhikkhu Bodhi translation and just comparing ten suttas, I I I don't. Just to be absolutely clear, I don't have a preference for those translations because exactly as you said. They are a little bit less clear in certain areas. I 100% agree. Yep. They also are a little bit more repetitive in certain yep. areas. Mm-hmm. And so I've got no wish to start introducing those suitors. Yep. But just it, it, it was just for me um, as as a teacher to be able to I actually speak with a little bit more... Yeah, no, I understand, Tom. And as, experience. Just, just like you did, right? Like, like yes, we, but as BBC, RMC, Dhamma teachers, we don't argue those points. We reference them. Other te- yeah, yeah, teachers sure. might teach it, but we don't. But we don't teach it here. That's all. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah, don't yeah, have no, to get no, into I'm the debate of having a broad background knowledge of every single sutta that was yeah. ever written, so that you could counter someone's argument in class. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just no, that I'm way. So I don't. I'm, but but if not, if you could see where I'm coming from, if not, I'm I can go into my first class saying I've taken on face value, you know, the fact that you've restored these sutras. Right, mm-hmm. and and I'm like, well, what do you mean he's restored the suitors? Restored them from what? What is the unrestored version? And so it's important that I have at least some, um, you know, understanding of that myself. At why? Least, at least for me. Why? Why? Why do you need to have more knowledge of unrelated suttas than your teaching? I'm not no. trying to argue with you, Tom. What I'm trying to say to you well, is, you you have. I'm saying, yeah. You you are if you I'm have. Restored. If I'm to say it's restored, if I'm to introduce those words into a class, then somebody is naturally going to ask me, "Well, restored from what?" Well, but first, first so, you could ask. First you could ask. Please, first you could define what restoration means if somebody is even asking that, and then you could say, "Yes, restoration means from something to something." So, yes, what we teach here, meaning in your classes, is what John restored from. From these different publications, meaning he stripped out everything magical or mystical. That's what we teach here, period. But if you get into what you're asking line by line, you can't teach a Dhamma class, can you? No, no, no. And 
I don't, I don't plan. And I, as I said, I'm not, I don't plan to go through that entire book or anything. I just wanted to have, um, some awareness myself. And I don't think that's, you know, as a, somebody who's come into this from the outside originally, right? I think. No, I understand, Tom, but you do have awareness of it. You're, you're aware that there's an endless number of sutras out there. That, that some, some, wait, please, Tom, some of them relate to what we teach, and some of it, like the Heart Sutra and the Locust Sutra, have no relationship at all. And you're going to come across people that insist that's the Buddha's teaching. And all that you can say to avoid the argument is, it's not what the Buddha taught, and we teach only what is, present, is presented on this website as restored by John. And, the, and again, to go past that is just engaging in argument that, that we as Dhamma teachers are then only engaging in distraction. It, it's an answer that doesn't need to be qualified in any way except this is what we teach. It's as different as saying, I really like history and I don't know why you're not teaching history in this goddamn English class. I like history. It's the same thing, Tom. And again, I'm going beyond what you just brought in, but we don't, simply don't teach it here. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, as I said, I'm just, I'm not saying that I, I'm not going to read the Loka Sutta and all of these sort of things because that doesn't interest me in any way. It was just with an exact Sutta because. Okay. So, Tom, I'm I'm your, I'm I'm your student at your first class and you gave a beautiful presentation of the Dhammachaka Pavatana Sutta. And you're the first person puts up their hand and said, you know, I don't remember anything in, in that except in the Lotus Sutra, it tells me to disregard the Four Noble Truths. So why are you teaching it? And where do you go with that? Except, you know, you can get into it and spend the whole class arguing that point or simply saying the Lotus Sutra is not something we teach here. And, yeah. and you being at peace with that because that's the truth. And yeah. knowing that if I need, and you, then you could say, and I'll explain that outside of class in more detail if you need to know more then we only teach what is contained here, period. And if that's disappointing to someone, it's not your job to convince someone that what you're teaching is effective. It's your job to present an effective Dhamma that people have an opportunity to develop yeah. as a teacher. Yeah, no, I, 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 no, I, 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 I'm with you on all of that, John. I'm just saying that I wanted to see one concrete example of how a restoration of a suitor not not a look lo, lo, you know some suitor which which is clearly outside of the but i mean okay. a suitor which exists within biku bodhi's translation or someone else's translation Wait, right you, a, a well-known translation then pick, how it compares just one example pick anyone pick any any suitor that i wrote and compare it to anything that anybody else wrote including biku bodhi and you'll see the difference is that yeah, what you're... Exactly, but but the point I'm trying to make here with is that that's what I've done, and I've been satisfied by it. I don't have any further questions. Okay. The the only so I don't I don't have as I said I haven't seen something in the other translations that has that has um, turned my turned my head or that has okay I got that confused. Right? I understand. It's all, it's all good. The difference I've seen is on those two areas that it's your translation is is in many cases clearer and the language is just a bit easier and more accessible okay. to understand. So when somebody asks you, why don't you just say that? That, that, that you I haven't yet seen 
a suitor from Biku Bodhi's. Um, okay, but Tom, again, why are you looking? To, it's almost like it, what it sounds like is you're looking to find one that you can say, no. here's one that Biku Bodhi wrote that's clear and it disagrees with what you no, teach. No, 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 wait, 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 no, Tom. But that's, again, please, excuse me. That's what it sounds like, and that's what it's going to sound like to someone else if you get into the argument that you're trying to qualify what you're teaching. And you just said it. You just said it to me, Tom. I'm sorry for getting excited, but I'm trying to end this with using your own words. You just said that that I've read these other suttas, and what John says is much more clear and simpler. That's why you teach it. That's as far as you have to go. That's why I don't go past that. Because I've already done the work over the past 12 years okay. to make it clear and simple. And if you don't think so, go ahead and look somewhere else. But, but the only reason I'm looking for this, John, to be clear, is that you suggested it exists. No, I didn't. You said there's, it's full of magical thinking in other, su- in, you know, other translations. That was the suggestion I had. That's the only reason yeah. I'm like, Okay, okay Tom. Well, again, again, so you just said what you're... So, so now you're looking into every publication to find one that isn't magical or mystical. And, and again, so Bhikkhu Bodhi's, some of his translations aren't obviously magical and mystical, but there, uh, there's a little bit of difference. That, in, uh, that, is, that is enough to be a distraction. So do you, again, do you personally expect me to include every single qualification about every single teacher that's out there? I can't do it. But in general, the translations that are out there are rooted in magic and mystery and speculation, including many of Bhikkhu Bodhi's. And that's just, a, that's just the truth. So you've took it upon yourself to find one that isn't. Okay, if you want to do that, Tom, okay, you've looked at 10 that aren't. So what? It's good. I know, but so what? You're also exactly. saying they're not as clear and as easily presentable as the ones that I teach. So exactly. So why don't teach this? So, but the point I'm just trying to make is that, based on my understanding, right, based on what I heard, that there were other suitors out there that were. Um, okay, I just explained that, Tom. I just explained that. That okay, I said I made a broad statement. That when you pick yeah. at it, you well, can that's, find that's you find that it. it's not completely one hundred percent applicable. But again, I didn't mean it to be. Not the four noble truths aren't noble truths, except in relation to the Dhamma. So every every so called truth that you can define outside of that doesn't apply. So that Bhikkhu Bodhi has translated some suttas that are close to what I say, but aren't as clear and accessible, okay, I, good, I, I agree with a lot of that. But are you telling me that, that, that you want me when I say, I teach this Dhamma this way because everything else I've come across is rooted in magic and mystery and speculation, except these 10 suttas by Bhikkhu Bodhi and these 12 suttas by Tanisara Bhikkhu and this sutta by, by U.S. Anderson and this sutta by, you know, by, it can't be done. In general, what's presented out of there, like you can, you can, both of you can argue this point, I asked you to argue, most of what is presented out of there is rooted in magic, speculation, and, and, and myth. Is that not true? Uh, yeah. 
Okay, so so that, again, without having to get into argument, in a class, in a class, it's enough to say, and so we teach these sutras as restored by John and as presented on the website, in the books and on the website. That's it. I think um, Tom's point may be, what's an example of what's magical and mystical that other people are teaching? Is there an example of that? Most every sutra that's out there. So like, like what? <laughs> I think that's what Tom's saying. Is there what, what's what's magical and myst- what's considered magical about what was any uh, anything that can't be anything that can't be experienced in this human uh, lifetime in this moment sure, is like, something the like, Buddha didn't teach. Like, so anything like, that would teach that you should like, become something better than you are and not lead a, give a direct path to how to get there. Or in some of your teachings, lead a clear and direct path on how to do it is something the Buddha didn't teach. And I challenge you, Tom, to find something in Bhikkhu Bodhi's writing that says the Buddha taught one method of meditation, jhana, how to do that, how to incorporate it, and how to practice it. You, you can read every book he ever wrote, and I don't think you'll find that in what you said clearly defined. So, again, I, I have no problem with... with what you're saying, uh, my question is, so what? Hmm. Yeah, Again, not, I mean, not, not to be rude to you, Tom. I've got to catch a train. I've got to catch a train. But I did uh, enjoy that. Well, let's, really let's continue this because it's important. So what, Tom? I'm not dismissing what you're saying. Again, that's why we shouldn't talk about this in, in, in Dhamma class because it leads to something that, uh, in this case, it, it's re- relevant because you're going to be teaching this. It's a relevant question that you should be asking your teacher. So my point is that it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be engaged with in Dhamma class for just this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 did, I wouldn't have brought it up if there were other people. No, I understand uh, that. I'm glad you did with but, Alex because I think that's important. And I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, but I, but I'm really I, trying to get yeah. you to stop at that point. Yeah, I, I, I'm just. I, I don't know. I, I don't have a problem. I, I, the, the thing I've, for me, it's been actually very reassuring because. Um, I've, I don't have any, just again, just to come back, I don't, I don't, there's nothing missing. I understand. In the teeth, there's absolutely nothing missing, right? It's just in, in the teachings that, that, that you have shared with me via the Buddha, there's not a single moment in my life where I've come to making a decision where I thought the Eightfold Path won't help me here, for yeah. knowledge of dependent origination won't help me here. I'm not, I'm not clinging, I'm not looking for anything. Yeah. I got it that, was a huh? pure it was a pure curiosity because I understand. And I don't know if it needs the way it's communicated. It just it. it yeah, Tom, I impression. understand all that. I understand all that. So yeah, so that's why I was. That's why I was like, okay, I do want to see this for myself. I don't think that's yes. you know not not not. Yes, but it's, the, it's your like it's that. your question just that is it, that is significant. Not not all. I understand all your background. Why you do it? I I I've done and do the same things. It's the question that was significant. It's, um, yeah, and it's not, it's not significant really for my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, it really isn't. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's simply, um, I just wanted to have a very little dip into, okay, what does John mean when he says he's taken out stuff that is magical or mystical? What does that mean? Yes. Not related to other suitors, not related to ones you don't teach, but to ones that you teach. What does that mean? I, I wanted to see okay. that for myself. Is that clear now? or, or again, I'm, yeah, I, is, I don't mean clear. this in any condescending way because it's so important. 
Is it clear well, or if it's, it's not? It's clear. But just coming back to my original question, if there was one suitor where I'm, you wanted to sort of give a give an example and say, well, look. I'm just turning the AC example. on. I'm not leaving you. Sure. I, I can sure, hear sure, you. Sure. Okay, you can hear me. So, yeah, no, no. The only thing to end this conversation would be if there was one suitor you wanted to suggest and say, okay, check out this guy's translation and then see how I've translated it. Yeah, I would say anyone, Tom. Just just pick pick anyone, pick any suta, or any two or three or four, and compare it to any other one that you want to. You know? I mean, isn't that what you're asking me? Yeah, no, no, it's just that that's what I've done already with, okay. let's say, 10. And I haven't found, all i found is that your, your what i found is... Oh, so I, what I'm saying is keep looking then. So again, you'll, you'll find, I mean... Okay. Again, keep like that's all I can tell you because a lot of some of my restorations, a lot of them came from Bhikkhu Bodhis from those books that you're talking about. So, yeah. and so then I would characterize that uh, as Bhikkhu Bodhi might have been one of the easier translations in one sense, but then much more difficult in another. Again, we're getting deep into it, and it's a valid question, and I, I'm, I'm glad to explain it to you because if you look, if you go to where. One of Bhikkhu Bodhi's main monasteries is here in Lafayette, New Jersey. And just the charge of that monastery is to bring all the... And this is what they're proud of, what Bhikkhu Bodhi is most proud of, to bring all the Buddhist teachings together into one place and present it in that way. And they do a beautiful job of that. And to me, because I used to go there, they taught me absolutely nothing of any value. Every time I went there, I had a wonderful experience. And it was just as much as distracting as going down to the neighborhood bar. Really, for all the benefit it gave me. And I know that might sound harsh to you, but because it was a completely different environment, but it was just a distraction to me. So, again, he, he may be closer... I could characterize some of his teachings, a lot of his teachings, as somewhat closer because of his lack of myth in it to what I teach, but a million miles away because of the minor inclusions of myth and mystery and speculation that he does include. And, you know, I guess that's as clear as I could be. And then it's up to you. So now, if you want to read Bhikkhu Bodhi and say, geez, he's as clear as John, why don't I study this? My answer is, go. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. If you think that this is a better presentation of the Dhamma for you, or you think it's something that you should add to what John Haspel teaches, honestly, Tom, I'm all for it. But what I'm saying is, there's enough presented here that you don't need to do it, and if you do do it, keep in mind that, again, it's hard for me to characterize it because I honestly have lost most interest in the sutras except the few that are left that I want to continue to restore. That might change. Um, so I can understand your motivation. I can understand your curiosity. But in me, I don't have that anymore. So, yeah, again, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying I, I just don't have it. Big, it's not a big... Um, it's not a big. Um, it's not a big deal for me, honestly. Well, I, here's what I'll say, Tom. I, I don't, I, it's it's something I was I just fancied doing 
Yeah, so I, here's what I would tell you to do. I think it's a good idea. Um, go find any sutta that does contradict or include magic and mystery and speculation. Could be one of Bhikkhu Bodhis or Tanaceros and compare it to anyone that I've wrote. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I again, that'll, that'll show you the what, why, and how I did it. Um, again, the only reason I'm saying that is I have enough to do without, you know, you, again... I would say pick any one, but you found a few that, that you found that Bhikkhu translated that don't. So I would say keep looking well, and you'll find them. Uh, yeah, I mean, just coming back, I've done that already. And I, I haven't found, but I might be missing something on a subtle level, but I found kind of you're occasionally using different words and your words are just a lot clearer and easier for me to understand. And whereas the... The words in Bhikkhu Bodhi's translation are a bit more flowery sometimes and a bit more archaic. Um, and, um, but, you know, just, just been interested. I haven't found anything that's been like... Not not yet, you know. And, I, and I'm not... I don't plan to go super deep into this, just to be absolutely clear. It's not a big... It's not a major... It's not an... It's not an... Uh, I, I don't. I'm not. I don't need any more teachings. I'm not grasping for them. It was. It was purely curiosity, to be honest with you. Um, and I haven't found anything yet. If I do, um, you know, then I'll let you know. But I don't. I, I haven't found anything yet that's been. Um, yeah, I haven't found a reference to extreme kind of mystical, magical thinking. All right. Um, well. Again, yeah. I, I, I found yeah, that I prevalent. Many, yeah, again, until I found it prevalent, I, I mean, I don't just say it to make a point. You know, I'm not trying yeah. to exaggerate something. Um, I, just give me a second here, because I just, I, out of curiosity, I, I did a search on Bhikkhu Bodhi and the Anapanasati Sutta just to see what right. came up. Um, yeah, just, you, hold on, if you have a few minutes, hang on. Sure, 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 sure. I got time. Actually, I'm calling up the video to see what, just how it starts. I know we don't have time to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. I don't know why it's not playing. I don't know what happened to my... uh, Great. There it is. I, some, something's wrong with my um, mouse. Do you you trying to call it up, Tom? Should I try and put it up? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I mean, I have it on my. I mean, I'll try it again. I don't know why it's not. So, Anu Panasati Sutta, right? Yep. Anna. A A N A. A N A. Anna. If you find it, just click to like the middle of it, just so we can get a, you know, a quick hearing of what he's saying. Um, would it be on um, SutaCentral.net or? Well, the one I came with is just YouTube. Ah, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why my mouse isn't working. see what I can find yeah okay so I think I've got it yeah I've got it from this is from Tanisaro uh, Bhikkhu 
Well, okay, if you want to look for one from Bhikkhu Bodhi, because I'm sure that one's probably going to be pretty mystical, but you want to, again, you want to just play it for argument's sake, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me just, I'll just check one more. This is um, Anandajoti Bhikkhu, is that the same? No. What was that? No, no, no that one's, I think, different. Um, wait one second. There you go, Bhikkhu Bodhi. Um, yeah, okay. So I've, I think I've got it open. Well, let's just, I mean, I, again, let's just listen to a little bit of it. We, we might not hear what we're looking for. I mean, I've got text up and I've got text in front of me. So, I mean, I can read a little bit of it if you like. Just read a couple of paragraphs. Well, you could, and if it if it meets the criteria of myth, you know, we we I don't need. Well, go ahead, read what you want to read. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever you think's best. But okay, so I read. In this sangha of bhikkhus, there are bhikkhus who are arahants with taints destroyed, who have lived for holy life, done what had to be done laid down the burden, reached their own goal, destroyed the fetters of being, and are completely liberated through final knowledge. Such bhikkhus are there in this sangha of bhikkhus. In this sangha of bhikkhus, there are bhikkhus who, with the destruction of the five lower fetters, are due to reappear spontaneously in the pure abodes. Okay, you can stop there, Tom. Yeah, gone. So again, what? in their pure abodes. You can compare that to my, you know, again, you came across, the first one we pick is the first one that's useful. Yeah, yeah. So again, I'm not, again, not, it, it sounds like I'm trying to win an argument and beat you up with it. I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to answer your question. So that, that, that right there is just a good example of why we don't, because that first line leads to confusion. What the hell are the pure abodes? What's the Buddha yeah. referring to? Is it a non-physical, I mean, to my um, uninformed minds, that, teaches me that I should grasp after establishment in a pure abode rather than the understanding that what the Buddha is teaching of the pure abode is my mind the quality of my mind establishing my mind as a pure abode but all of that is lost without the background and clear explanation so what is it what, what pure abode what does that even refer to a clear a clear quality of mind Bhikkhus who are due to reappear. Yeah, so I guess what I the point I was trying to make is that like it, it, your translation is just a lot clearer and a lot easier. So if I were to read are due to reappear spontaneously in the pure abodes, it, it there's it's it's when you say reappear spontaneously, it it just it's not very clear what that means. I know, so why bother with it? It's 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 unclear because it's it has to be unclear. Yeah. How can you how could how could Bodhi describe it? It can't, it's indescribable. That's my point. Yeah. And yeah. and so do you see on on this? And I don't mean I'm not beating up Bodhi. I've met him. He's a lovely man. I really do enjoy his presence. But he's ignorant as far as this is concerned, and he's hurtful because he can't teach this. Yeah. Since yeah. he doesn't understand it from his own practice. He just, he just includes it. Yeah. The reappearance in the pure abode. Yeah. If I was to teach that to you, Tom, 
out of my ignorance, but my my sincerity in believing what I'm teaching, I wouldn't be wrong in what I'm teaching, would I? But I, I would be because I know the difference. Bhikkhu Bodhi, again, not to put him down, is simply an immature human, human being in this sense. And so I think, I'm glad you brought it up because I think this is one of the best ways of getting to this understanding that I've ever taught or presented to somebody. So I'm very grateful for it. It allowed me um, to stretch my presentation of how to teach this. So what we've just done, John, is exactly what I needed. That's been really, really helpful for me. I don't want to go through every single sutta and go, but that is... That on a very practical level, I don't need. To, it just gives me a little insight into into how the process works, and yes. that's, that's good enough. I, I just am, to see that, if you see what I mean, that that really really helps because I now understand how you know it is reappear in the pure abodes. It's like what the hell are you talking about? Yes, it's yes. It's, it's it's weird and mystical, but yeah. And thank you so much for bringing it up, or we wouldn't have gotten there, really. So again, Tom, one of the things that I I I love about you. <laughs> Is you you really have no fear of challenging your teacher, really, and you sh- and out of out of total respect, too. I've never felt disrespected from you ever. ever. In fact, in fact, I would say you treat me with more respect than I deserve, but I'll take it. So, don't don't ever be don't ever be afraid of asking me or bringing up anything because it leads to um, it it brings out the dhamma in me that might not have ever ever been done otherwise. So, and you're finding out that this is what ongoing practice is about as a teacher because no, it is and I, appre- I really appreciate that and I appreciate the opportunity to better because it, it you know you you have you are a um, you know you are a major role model in my life <laughs> and an, an influence in my life and so you know it's it's I, I, I appreciate the fact that I can uh, um you know, we can we can have these conversations because you know um, that's I can't I don't want to wash stuff under the carpet or wonder wonder yeah. what John would say about that. Right? I think it's important that we have it. So yeah, thank you. Well, it's important to say this too, Tom. One of the underlying themes of your teacher study, and I would say it's true of Alex as well. Um, I know he's he's taking a sabbatical. Um, Almost from the beginning, both you and Alex were asking me questions about how to present the Dhamma to a class. And I had to keep saying, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, in different ways. Because I knew that it was Dhamma practice that would answer those questions for you, which it has. And now you're going even deeper into that, how to present it. And again, this is, this is pure Dhamma practice, isn't it? So again, one of the reasons why we have class is slightly different for teachers so that we can have these these discussions but um, it's just this that you challenging me that you'll find is the most poignant aspect of your teacher Dhamma practice really because it, it it's knowing that I'm able to meet people where they are that is that that is what brings tears to my eyes so often you know knowing that I'm able to actually have an impact on another human being and I better be damn well prepared to do it and that's really what sets me onto my cushion every day really you know it is it is in consideration as the Buddha said 
It is out of sympathy for others now that I go forth. Meaning, he now understands both the lightness and the gravity of what the Dhamma means. Lightness in its liberation, but the gravity in its profundity. And you're starting to understand that. Yeah. And that's what's leading to these really important questions. Am I, really, your question is, am I doing the best I can? Yeah. It's honorable and respectful. I know you got to go and I got to go. Um, yeah. yeah, look at those dates. See if you can edit the calendar. And if not, um, just send me an email saying you can't, and I'll send you a link saying now you can. Okay. Always Good. a pleasure, my friend. Just so you know, because it's my it's my dad's 80th birthday wow. in the weekend, so we're going we're going away for a family holiday. So I'm going to be um, I'll be away from tomorrow until next Friday. So I might I won't I definitely won't be able to join on Saturday, and I might not be able to join next Thursday as well. That's um, I'm glad so I know just, and have a great time. The, uh, okay. Just to tell you about my dad's 80th birthday. Up, up until that, my dad was, he was a great dad. I love him. But he was, he, he led by giving me the needle, thinking, you know, if he could just get me aggravated a little bit in the right direction. Um, it hardly ever worked, but it works sometimes. And so he, he, he was like that till the day he died. He died at 101. And he used to drive me crazy. And I'd leave the house, and I'd visit him often because I loved him, but I'd always leave the house, God damn it, you son of a bitch, right? And so it was on his 80th birthday that I walked out of his house after a great celebration, still angry at this poor old guy that's just trying to love his son in the way that he can. God damn it, you son of a bitch. And this thought hit me. He says, he's never, ever going to change. When are you going to just love him for how he is? And everything changed. And this was 21 years ago, so I wasn't quite as awake as I was now. And it literally changed my relationship from that point to this point. I'm not saying you got that going on with your dad. But it just allowed me to love him for it exactly as he was. And it made my relationship with him so much deeper. So if you have any of that going on with your dad, I don't think you do. But let it all go and just give him a big hug and kiss. For I remember you, uh, I told you on the retreat that I gave my dad a tough time on the tennis court, remember? <laughs> I remember that now, yeah. Maybe give him, I should go a bit easier on him. <laughs> have a few whiffs that he won't notice. Exactly, exactly. Okay, thanks a lot, John. I'm so glad to know you, my friend. I'll see you soon. Have a great, uh, great trip. All right. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.